This podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, who invite you to simply step outside this summer. With expert tips and advice, L.L. Bean can help you get more out of every moment outdoors. Here's a tip. Set yourself up for easy backyard adventures by leaving a tote bag with the essentials right by the door, sunscreen, bug spray, and a few hats or pairs of sunglasses. Now you'll never need to search your house to find them. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com slash guide. Yellowstone National Park turned 150 this year, but of course, the National Park moniker is just a human designation for this exotic landscape. A massive caldera formed by a volcano that last erupted 631,000 years ago. There are few places on Earth that display the power of nature so eloquently as Yellowstone, a place where the only constant is change. That power recently showed its face in the form of devastating floods that ravaged much of Yellowstone and beyond. I'm Jay Snepperson, and on this episode of America's National Parks, the path forward for Yellowstone after a one in 500 year event. March 1st, 2022 marked the 150th anniversary of the establishment of Yellowstone National Park. Signed into law by President Ulysses S. Grant, America's first national park was set aside to preserve and protect the scenery, cultural heritage, wildlife, geologic and ecological systems, and processes in their natural condition for the benefit and enjoyment of the present and future generations. Yellowstone serves as the core of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, one of the largest nearly intact natural ecosystems remaining on the planet. Yellowstone has the most active, diverse, and intact collections of combined geothermal features with over 10,000 hydrothermal sites and half the world's active geysers. The park is also rich in cultural and historical resources, with 25 sites, landmarks, and districts on the National Register of Historic Places. Based on the park's location at the convergence of the Great Plains, Great Basin, and Columbia Plateau, many Native American tribes have traditional connections to the land and its resources. For over 10,000 years before Yellowstone became a national park, it was a place where Native Americans hunted, fished, gathered plants, quarried obsidian, and used thermal waters for religious and medicinal purposes. Throughout this anniversary year, Yellowstone planned to open 40 new employee housing units, along with groundbreakings on projects totaling more than $125 million, funded through the Great American Outdoors Act. Over a thousand people live and work in the park during the busy season. But just after that season began, on June 12th, unprecedented amounts of rain began to fall combining with snowmelt that caused substantial flooding, rockslides and mudslides throughout the park. But mostly confined to the northern loop of Yellowstone's figure eight main road and the two northern entrance roads. Historic water levels caused severe damage to these roads, along with water and wastewater systems, power lines and other critical park infrastructure. The U.S. Geological Survey has been collecting stream flow data on the Yellowstone River for 100 years and combined with other evidence, their scientists estimate that this incredible flooding is a one in 500 year event. 
flooding that is having a far worse impact on towns to the north of Yellowstone than the park itself. The worst damage within the park boundaries is the North Entrance Road, part of US 89 into the Gateway community of Gardner, Montana, and onto the much larger town of Bozeman. This access to Yellowstone is essential to Gardner, as it's largely a community that supports tourism activities. But more than that, the North Entrance is the only entrance to the park that's open in the winter. It's the supply route for all the concessionaires in the park, the lodges, the gift shops, the restaurants. It's how Yellowstone's winter staff connects with the outside world. The road winds through a canyon formed by the Gardner River, which during the flooding largely reclaimed the roadbed. Rebuilding this road is no simple task, and it probably won't be able to follow the same footprint. When the flooding began, park officials made the difficult decision to close the park altogether to visitors. A monumental evacuation of over 10,000 people in the campgrounds, lodges, and backcountry was taken on, and there wasn't a single loss of life. Park staff then had to test water and septic systems, survey roads and trails, and make a plan to reopen the park. Just 10 days later, the southern half of Yellowstone reopened to visitors, with the northern loop looking like it may be many weeks or even months before it saw visitors again. But officials say that that timeline could be moved up much sooner than expected. We'll be back in a moment, but first, a quick break for a message from our favorite place to search for the best campground for your national park adventures, Campendium. Campendium lists virtually every campground in North America and every type of campsite you can imagine. From remote backcountry tent sites to RV parks with water slides and pickleball courts, you can search by price, including free or by cell service, elevation, whether pets are allowed. Dozens of different search filters will bring you detailed user reviews so you can find the best campsite for your trip. Campendium is free at campendium.com or on the app, and you can upgrade to a RoadPass Pro membership to unlock an ad-free experience with more detailed cell service reports, public land map overlays, trail maps, and more. A RoadPass Pro membership also includes other premium apps like Togo RV and Road Trippers. Visit Campendium.com or download the app today and save $10 off a RoadPass Pro membership with code RVMILES10X. During a visit to Yellowstone and Gardner on Sunday, June 19th, National Park Service Director Chuck Sams with Yellowstone Superintendent Cam Shawley announced a $50 million influx of cash from the federal government to kickstart recovery efforts. That amount was increased to $65 million, though hundreds of millions more will likely be needed to fully restore the destruction. They also announced that, miraculously, the park's northern loop is expected to reopen in two weeks or less following completion of cleanup, repairs, and final inspection of the infrastructure, allowing visitors to access Dunraven Pass, Tower, Mammoth Hot Springs, and the Norris Geyser Basin. That's 80% of the park that will be reopened within just a few weeks of this dramatic destruction. The initial $65 million will be used to restore temporary access to Gardner and Cook City, Montana. Gardner on the north entrance and Cook City through the northeast. Cook City would be entirely shut off from the world in the winter without access through the park. Plans are being finalized for improving the old Gardner Road for temporary access, and in partnership with the Federal Highway Administration, road construction crews and materials that were already in Yellowstone 
for a previously scheduled road project to repair 22 miles of the Grand Loop Road between Old Faithful and West Thumb Geyser Basin will be diverted to the Old Gardner Road project. The Park Service anticipates that the Old Gardner Road will be substantially improved over the coming months, ensuring that essential emergency services, food, supplies, and other administrative needs will be available throughout the winter months. As work proceeds through the summer, the park may even restore limited visitor access at the north entrance. Of course, Yellowstone is a heavily protected place, and whenever construction projects happen in a national park, heavy attention is paid to the potential impact of the work. Emergency environmental and historic preservation compliance is underway in accordance with the National Historic Preservation and Environmental Policy Acts. Permanent reconstruction options are being developed and alternatives will be completed in the upcoming months. Beginning at 8 a.m. Wednesday, June 22nd, visitors were allowed to access the south loop of the park from either the east, west, or south entrances at Cody, Wyoming, West Yellowstone, Montana, or through the south and Grand Teton National Park. Currently accessible areas include Madison, Old Faithful, Grant Village, Lake Village, Canyon Village, and Norris. To balance the demand for visitor access while the park recovers, vehicles are being allowed to enter the park based on the last number of their license plate. Odd-numbered last digits on license plates can enter on odd days of the month, even-numbered on even days. Plates with all letters are considered odd. Plates that end with a letter will still use the last number to determine entry. Entrance station staff will turn away vehicles attempting to enter the park on the wrong day. Visitors with proof of overnight reservations in the park will be permitted to enter regardless of their license plate. That includes hotels, campgrounds, and backcountry reservations. Half of the park is open, and in theory, this system should cut the number of visitors in half, and many have already canceled their planned visits. But we're hearing from folks who have waited well over two hours to get into the West Yellowstone entrance to the park since it reopened. If you're changing plans to head toward Yellowstone because you think it will be less busy, you may want to rethink that. Currently, backcountry areas accessible from open roads are open to the public, but will be restricted to day use only. Overnight use from trailheads in the south will begin on July 1st. Old Faithful, West Thumb, Grant Village, Bridge Bay, Fishing Bridge, Lake Village, and Norris Visitor Services are open, along with the West Yellowstone Visitor Information Center and the Canyon Village Visitor Education Center. Closed to visitor access is everything in the North Loop of the park, of course, but also several facilities in the South Loop, including Canyon Village Lodges and Cabins, Canyon, Madison, Norris, and Lewis Lake Campgrounds, Fishing Bridge Visitor Center, and the Trailside Museum. Potential visitors should continue to monitor the park's website and social media for additional updates. They are very good at keeping it up to date. This episode of America's National Parks was written and hosted by me, Jason Epperson. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group, nearly 100,000 members strong. If you're interested in RV travel, check out rvmiles.com or find us at the RV Miles Podcast. You could also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys all over social media as our wandering family. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring national parks. And by Campendium. Find listings and reviews for thousands of campsites for your next national park adventure at Campendium.com. <laughs>